says I can do. And I can be who it says I can be. And I can have what it says I can have. Today, I will be taught the incorruptible, indestructible word of God. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I will not go to sleep. This is going to be the best message ever. (laughs) In Jesus' name. (laughs) Amen. Father Jesus, help. Amen. All right, you may be seated. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So, uh, when I was growing up, right? I have a brother, right? Don't don't show it yet, uh, Mr. James. I'm going to tell you the cue. So first service, you are going to kind of get the rough edit. Second service, it may go over a little bit better. But um, So when we were growing up, you know, my brother, um, as a teenager, he was like bad boy cute. Not like for real, though. So, you know, everybody likes a bad boy. Well, that, yeah. <laughs> he was bad boy cute, right? He had these little bow legs, you know, so when he walked, he just sway. He just sway, you know, he just... You know, and he had this little way that he used to always chew a toothpick and kind of cock his head off to the side and just stand up like this on the wall and all these idiotic girls would go, Oh, Che! Che, call me! Che, call me! (laughs) And then, you know, he had this little haircut and... At the back of his head, he had a tail. You remember having a tail? Uh-huh. So all the little girls would be like, turning up his hair and that. And he just sitting on there, you know, smiling. And other than that, though, he was an entrepreneur. He used to have this DJ set. It's called Choice. And so him and his little friends would, uh, you know, get their, their uh, turntables and they would go to all these parties and people would hire them out. Oh, yes. And he's up there, and he was like, they were like one of the best um, sound system people that you could bring to your party. I mean, if choice was coming, it was a party. So he's probably around 15 at the time. And I mean, just popular, just popular. Valentine's Day was disgusting. I don't recall him giving nobody any Valentine's, but tons of little hearts would come home. Tons of hearts come home. All these people just put up at the, you think with Elvis Presley, this boy. It was crazy. So the thing that I love the most, oh, let me show you his picture. Um, James, go ahead and let's show you uh, what Pastor Che was looking like, all right? <laughs> yes, and if you'll show me the next picture. Um, oh, you know, see, he's so handsome, you know. This was when he first kind of went in, but he's just smiling and, you know, everybody just loves him, right? So he was around 15, I was around 11. And the thing that I love the most he hated the most. So imagine he's just a year before graduating high school. At, he's about 15. And I'm in my first year of high school at about 11. And if he's going to a party, he has to take me. I get to ride along. And he just did not want, he tried to beg his way out of it. There's so many times he just didn't want to take me. But I just loved going because then it, I kind of got to be grown upish. You know, and then I got all this favor, you know, I'd ride in the favor. They'd go, I'd say, oh, I'm Chess' sister. Oh, let her in. She's Chess' sister. 
you know, and I, and I go to the little bar area and they're like, oh, you, uh, what, what do you want to drink? Uh, this is so much dollars. No, 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 no. Uh, my brother is choice. Uh, they play in the system. I get free drinks, you know, and all this kind of thing. Don't no, ask what I was drinking. I was really hungry and going down. I know I was 11. It's okay. And 12. Mm-hmm. We got worse. And 13. I got saved. So anyway, <laughs> so we would do all of that. And, um, you know, he would just try to make sure that I was not seen. Like that movie that's out now, Ride Along. Nobody wants, you know, little Kevin Hart. Nobody wants him with them. But he's like a little tick that just won't go away. And that's the same way I was with my brother. And I thought it was the coolest things, you know. And I mean, he had the ugliest friends. And I was wondering if that was deliberate, that he was a cute one and all his friends were ugly. No, they weren't ugly. They were just good friends. They were good friends. But I realized that, um, I don't know if you've ever had people in your life that are like that. They ride along. You want to get rid of them, but you just don't know how. <laughs> they invite you out to eat, but you pay. They like to name drop your name so that they can ride on your favor. They're getting all these benefits, but they're not doing any work. They just happen to be in your life because they're tagalongs, but they carry no weight. They bear no burden. They, they, they really are of no great significance other than they just in the group. You know, and I was thinking about it and uh, realized that they're, what do, we, what, do we do, what do we do with them? How do we get rid of them? <laughs> How do we deal with them? But I realize that we have three kinds of people in the kingdom. We are the drive-byers. Yeah, these are the drive-by people. And uh, in Luke 10, 25, Luke 10, 25, I'll just tell you the story about, uh, tell you the story, you can read it later. But this is a story about the Good Samaritan. And there was this guy that was wounded and he was bleeding. And you know, we have songs about it, bleeding and dying on the Jericho Road and this kind of thing. And the first guy came by was a priest. And he saw him and he was like, ah, don't want to deal with that. Then the second guy that came by was a Levite. And he kind of crossed on the other side. And some of us are like that. We're drive-by believers. What's a drive-by believer? A drive-by believer is one of those people that see the setup and breakdown person holding this big old tub and say, hey, Bobby, when I get a car next week, I'm going to call you. Bobby's on the two different tubs like this. You can't even see Bobby because he's uh, so tall. And he's like this. And you're like, yo, I'm going to see you next week. Catch you here. Drive by. You see that there's a need for help, but you refuse to help. You see Sunrise Cafe and all the ladies picking up stuff. And, but, you know, pastor is over here, so you'd rather just be right over here. Hey, pastor, what's up? Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to stand in the line. You have all the women over here trying to break down the stuff, set up the stuff. You got little kids doing it, but you're over here. Oh, um, I, I got to see pastor. It is not that urgent. You can call him, text him, email him. There's so many different things, but you drive by. You'd rather just get the benefits. You'd rather just roll in the car. But you don't really want to take on any weight. You don't want to really do any work. You'd rather just be around it and have the benefits of it and get the corporate blessing, but no, do not put any individual investment into it. <laughs> Drive buyers. Then you got a little ride-alongers. Acts 15. I love this. 
Acts 15. So let me give you a little background on this guy here. Acts 15. Let's start with Acts 13. In the book of Acts 13, the Holy Spirit calls and separates Paul and Barnabas for the ministry, for the work of ministry. So he says, hey, we want to take these two people and we're going to send them out to the Gentiles, to the people who do not know Christ, uh, to people who are not Jews, and we want to send this group of people out. Well, in this group was this guy named John who they also called Mark. So we familiarly, familiarly, uh, familiarly, whatever, we call him John Mark. But his name is John and he was also called Mark, right? But you'll see him known as John Mark. All right. So John Mark goes with them and they go on their first missionary journey. And they go on the first missionary journey and they travel for about 60 miles and they do all this stuff. And then John Mark decides, uh, this is a little bit too much. Um, I'm going back. So he just ups and leaves right in the middle of working, right in the middle. He starts the commitment but doesn't follow through. He goes through the new membership class but decides, oh, when they call me to serve, I'm not answering that call. I'm sick. He's a person that says, yeah. I will show up to volunteer uh, for share at 4 o'clock, but we don't see you till 8. See, that's, that, that's, that's John Mark. They have a good start, but they don't finish. They have a good in, um, intent, but no action to back up that intent. They have a desire, but no discipline. And so John Mark in the book of Acts verse 15, 37, the Bible says how, um, you know, there comes another opportunity. Barnabas decides, you know, hey, we're going on this other opportunity, this other journey. Hey, Paul, let's take John Mark. And Paul goes, oh, no, no, no. We're not taking John Mark nowhere. John Mark, the same John that left us on the first trip? Oh, no. And Barnabas and Paul get in such an argument over it that they stop talking. It divides the relationship. The inconsistent unreliability ends up breeding division among the saints. And here it is, there are opportunities ahead on your road that your lack of discipline and inconsistency is aborting. There are different things that God wants to bring our way, but because we have good intent, but we're not following all the way through, then this is what's going on. So I want to encourage us today to not be a drive-by person and not be a ride-along person. Here's the thing. The last person is this. I mean, Jay-Z, them say it, uh, ride and die. And when I Googled up ride and die, I could not find one positive image to show you. <laughs> I saw people in criminal masks, you know, with guns up together. And I thought, what is this? Weird? So I went to the Urban Dictionary to find out what it meant because it was not in the real dictionary. Okay. <laughs> Right, and that apparently is not a term from Webster's or Oxford. Um, <laughs> right, and die. So the right, and die person here is it would be like um, Timothy. It would be Timothy, and this is the book of Philippians two, nineteen to twenty-three. Let's turn to Philippians. If you can get to Philippians with me, because I really love how Paul deals with Timothy here. Yes, yes, yes. Philippians 2, Philippians 2, okay. So we got to get to the place where our pride, our piousness, our position doesn't cause us not to participate in the kingdom. 
You see, there are certain things that certain, some of us may say we would do and won't, don't do. You know, like I say to my daughter, um, heaven, you need a job. Burger King is hiring. Oh, I'm not serving in Burger King. Why not? If you don't see that you could own Burger King, then that's right. If you don't, you know, I, I, and I find that that's what we do. We have certain things. You don't know my education, Pastor Sarah. I don't do bathrooms. You know, I, 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 I am so-and-so on my job, or this is what I do all day, so I'm not coming here and doing that. Oh, what? I'm going to give you some word in a second. I got you. I'm going to get you I got you. I got you. I'm going to keep telling you. You're going to be encouraged some point. <laughs> some point. <laughs> All right. So here we go. Philippians 2, 19. Philippians 2. Timothy, Timothy. And it says here, for I am well assured. Okay. That's a different version. For. Okay. Hello, the wrong chapter. Okay, verse chapter 2, verse 19. Here we go. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus, or Timothy, shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. Here it is. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. In the Amplified it says, For I have no one like him, no one who is such a kindred spirit, who will genuinely be interested in your welfare and devoted to your interests. Paul had Timothy, and Timothy was a ride-and-die person with Paul. He was imprisoned with Paul, and even after Paul had died, for about 20 to 30 years, he continued to work in the, ch- in the church and ministry. This is somebody who is fully committed. This is somebody who is reliable. This is somebody who can be counted on. And Timothy made such an impact in the world, and there are different things that God wants us to do, but we have to be able to go the distance. And I find... That like the Bible says that when adversity comes and or we, uh, we fall, our strength is weak. But that goes over into everything. You see, you can see it everywhere. You see, if you quit in the middle of adversity, it's highly possible when your job gets too tough, you want to quit. It's highly possible when your husband and your wife get on your last word nerves, you want to trade them in. You see, this, this attitude of not sticking it all the way through is a pattern, not just here, but in your life. You will find that when things come and doesn't go your way, your first initial response is to run away, back away from it, not face it on. Relationships come into your life, and you don't like what your friends said. All of a sudden, I don't need any friends. I don't need everybody all up in my space. I've been doing this before by myself, and I can continue by myself. I hear this one all the time. I can do bad all by myself. What in the world is that? You, I can do bad by myself. I don't need nobody. Why would you even want to do bad by yourself? I want to do good by myself. So when good comes in, it's both of us doing it. But I don't want to speak nothing bad about me. And so I want to encourage you today that God is asking us that in the kingdom, there is a certain way and responsibility that we have. Here we, here, here's the thing that I find. I, I mean, I've been in a pastor position now um, for going on uh, 11 years here. But um, I don't know if some of us really want to move forward. We say it. We have a desire. And we say, God, yes, take me to the next level. But we know that next level comes with more responsibility. We know that next level comes with more attack. 
We know that next level comes with more haters. You know, whatever more is, you get more of it all. <laughs> okay? You get more of it all. More comes, more of it all. But here's the thing. We can't be afraid of moving forward that we want to stay stuck. Because if we stay stuck, nothing happens in a sedentary position. Nothing can grow being stagnated. You cannot, you have to be moving forward or you're moving backward. And for me, looking backward, there is nothing there I want to go revisit. Some of that stuff are like nightmares and skeletons and demons and terrorizing things. I, I look back, oh! I'm trying to run away from behind. I'm not trying to go back and live into something yesterday. The Bible says it's like a dog returning to his vomit. I don't want to go back. And I'm going back. I'm moving ahead. Yeah, so we got to move forward. You know that song, right? I'm here to declare. This is Pastor Matt singing here. I'm here to declare to you. My life is over in you. Things made new. AJ. Ah. <laughs> kingdom to work on our terms we wanted to work on our terms and how we would do it our preferences we think that God and his kingdom is like we're going into um which which and checking off all of the stuff we want on our sandwich we think this is Burger King and we can just have it our way we think this is like Walmart you can just take it back and get something else <laughs> no, the kingdom does not work on our terms. So, so, so let, me, let, let, me, let, me, let me break this down to you. We go out into the world and we give our best. 20 hours a week, part-timers, 36 hours a week, extended part-timers, 40 hours, 50 hours a week. In whatever vocation we have, whether we're a teacher, we're in the medical profession, we are um, in sanitation, we're in janitorial services, we're in accountant, administration. It doesn't matter, government. And we give the best into the world. And then we come to church and we say, we need a break. I don't want to teach, Pastor Sarah, I teach all week. Are you kidding me? So you would teach a generation of heathens with your intelligence, your experience, your knowledge, your wisdom, and you would not sow into the godly seed of the righteous? How is it okay for you to lend all of that, get all that wisdom, get all that experience, and then come to God and say, I need a break from your people though. The generation that will change the world. The generation that will have the moral aptitude to change society. The generation of the righteous. We go, oh no, I do that all week. I don't want to do that here though. No. It's because you do it here, you can survive all week. <laughs> it's because you give God the first fruit here. You can make sure that he has, your, he has got your back at school. You're in a medical uh, uh, situation or you're an entrepreneur. Has it ever dawned on you? I mean, you know what? I'm an entrepreneur. I'm out there hustling every week for myself, for my dream. Is it possible that you could think of a way to raise up more entrepreneurs in this, bit, in this church? 
so that this city would have a strong Christian entrepreneurial base that we could run this city? Or is it just, I got to be on my grind. I got to be on my hustle. You're in a medical environment. How many single parents do we have here that may not be able to afford medical insurance? Is it possible that you could offer free medical care or give them a suggestion or have you thought of going on a mission trip and lending your medical ability to the kingdom? Whatever you have in your hand, whatever experience you have, whatever education you have, whatever you have in your hand, it is not for you to use as you please. It is in service of the kingdom because we are designed to worship him. And worship means to lay ourselves down, not just in our finances, not just in our praise, but in our personal lives. God, my life is yours. What would you like me to do with it? So I want you to turn with me, turn with me to, um, but you don't have to turn to Exodus, but I want you to turn to Ephesians. Exodus 35, 10. They were building the temple. They were building the tabernacle, kind of like they were in a building project like we were, like we are. And this is what the Bible says that God told Moses, command. No, he said, everyone can bring a free will offering as they will. But he said to the skilled workers, give them this command. If you had a skill, you were commanded to use your skill to build the kingdom. And so it says that people who could sow went to sowing. People who could do iron work went to iron work. It, it, they were doing it all week. But yet God said, but that's what you're good at. That's what you have expertise in. I need it for the kingdom. I need you to leverage it here. And so I don't want us to back away anymore and talk about this is our day of rest. No, this is your day of worship. Saturday is your day of rest. You run errands on it. I know some of you confuse uh, your day on Sunday as your day of rest. Because sometimes you all are resting at the Cowboys game. It's fine. I like the Cowboys too. Well, yeah, I'm working on loving them this season. But <laughs> no problem. No big deal. But here's the thing. I, I watched that movie with um, Will Smith. What's it called? Concussion. And out of all of all of that, the, the thing that struck me the most was then the man said, we took the Sunday, the day of the week that the church used to own. That was the most powerful line in the thing. It says, the NFL has taken the day the church used to own. And now the church competes with the NFL. Are you kidding me? This is God we're talking about. This is God we're talking about. That at any given moment, a miracle can happen. A catastrophe can happen. And you know what? We don't know that he's our everything till we lose something. And he begins to bless us. And I'm telling you from personal experience that you can begin to get blessed. You can get from a place from where you used to be to where you are now and forget how good God is and forget to be grateful and forget to be thankful. I go home every year deliberately with that in mind because when I walk off of the plane in Jamaica and that heat wave hits me with the humidity 
and my makeup just goes like this. It starts to slide like an avalanche. And my clothes just begin to stick to my body. And I have not finished the, the, walk, the descent from the top of the stairs to the bottom. Because it is not connected to no little uh, box that you get, air-conditioned box. No, you're walking off the plane onto the concrete outside. So if it's raining, you're going to be getting wet. If it's over there in a hurricane, you're going to be blown away. There is no little protection. <laughs> and as I get down, I go, Lord, I thank you for air conditioning, Lord Jesus. I just want to thank you right now. Then I, then I, then I go in there and, and all the people are, are, you know, you don't do what they want you to do. They cuss you out. Openly. There's no customer service. Get out of here with that. Uno come out of here. I'm just asking for a patty, ma'am. I'm just asking for a patty. But we don't remember that we have everything because of him. In him we live. In him we move. In him we have our being. He's not an appetizer on a menu or a, a little piece that we add on or an accessory to just say, hey, look, I got the God card. Hey, don't mess with me because I got Jesus. He's got my back. Big brother. That is not why we have Jesus. We have Jesus because he's the only person that can save us. So let me tell you this. So the skilled people were commanded. And uh, <clears throat> God is asking you and challenging you and me today, whatever we're skilled at, to bring it into the kingdom. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. Let's read that. And we're almost finished here. I know you're like, Pastor Sorry, just, you know, just beating us up this morning. I, I was trying to smile throughout the whole thing. I really am. All right, Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. Here it says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. There's a reason he gave us to you. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Huh. Equipping. It means here that we, the perfecting means to mature, to mature the saints, to equip them for work, not for rest, to equip them for the work. But there's a particular type of work you're supposed to be equipped for, the work of ministry. Now you say, Pastor, our ministry, in your mind, you may think ministry is just preaching and teaching. No, 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 no. Ministry means to minister too. It means to serve. It, that's all it means is to serve. So to serve me, like for example, it's kind of like if you were walking today and we had this big thing and you just saw paper on the, on the floor, you wouldn't want to leave it there and think, okay, well, the janitorial service will get it. No, you want to think, but this is my church. I'm going to serve my church and make sure I pick it up. Because it's, it's questionable if you just leave it there. Maybe you leave it at home. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. This, the, I'm just speaking to the husbands now because see, this is what the wives think all the time. We just don't, we just don't know how, many, how else to say it to you, so I'm going to say it for them. When you see something at home <coughs> on the floor or when you take the ketchup, just put it back. It, 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 the same arm, the same arm that went like this is a reciprocating motion. The cereal box top it, 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 it closes. It, it has a tab. It has a tab. 
It has a tab. <laughs> All right. So, so <laughs> I want to make sure that we know we're here to serve each other. We're to help. Now, I love this scripture here. 1 Corinthians 7.23 says this. You are bought with a price. You are not your own. So what is the work of ministry? Whatever needs to be done. We come in here. I, I know this is a new age thing. You know, we want everybody to feel happy in church. <laughs> everybody feel comfortable. If you don't come to church sometimes and get agitated, you will never get the dross out of your life. We wash our clothes, but clothes don't get clean without agitation. It doesn't get clean without friction. And if every time you come to church, you can never get convicted, you can never get challenged to go to the next level, we are doing you a disservice. Because you cannot grow without pressure. You cannot expand without some kind of a pressure going on. I mean, you do it with your children. You have rules. You, you got to help, help them grow. Well, it's our responsibility to do that for you as well. And so I find that this new thing in the kingdom is, is you know, well, based on my gifts. Based on my talents, based on my abilities, that's what I want to do. But we're not our own. We're bought with a price. We don't get to do what we want to do. We get to do what we need to do and find joy in doing that. Well, I'm not happy doing it. Oh, no, I'm happy because, God, you asked me to do it. So I'm happy because you're pleased. Because I live at your pleasure. I serve at your liking. I adapt to what you want, Lord. And I take pleasure in serving you. I don't have to be doing what I want to do when I want to do it to find pleasure. See, that's, that's the mind of an immature. Because how many of us every single day just skip to Malu to, church, to work? Find the traffic, especially those of you who work in Plano and, and have to deal with 360 and 820 and 20. And you have to leave, leave from 6.30 in the morning just to get there for 9 o'clock. There is no joy in that. But you skipped to Malu, woke up 4.30. Oh, oh, oh. No, you woke up 4 o'clock and went to Lifetime, got your little workout in. Then you, hit, then you came back home, hit the road, and, and you're out there. But, but you got what? You get joy in the results. When you get that paycheck and you saw that red sale at Macy's, you were the joy that was set before you. You endured the cross of the roads and your boss and the traffic because that $69.99 shoe that was $145 two weeks ago, there's a joy set before you. Those new rims that you want to put on your car, sir, that you're going, oh, I'm working at FedEx, but I'm going to work that overtime. They do time and a half during the holidays. Oh, no Christmas for me. I'm going to be working double time because I need that sound system. Oh, that flat screen TV, you know they're going to set on Black Friday. Honey, you, I'll go work the overtime. You stand in the line. The joy set before you. Well, the joy set before you when you work in the kingdom of God is for God to say, well done. <laughs> the good and faithful servant entering. <laughs> entering. My last scripture is this, 1 Corinthians 12, 14. It says this, For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body. 
Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is it not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole hearing were the, where would the smelling? But now, embrace <laughs> yourself. God has set the members, every one of them in the body as it has pleased him. As it pleases him like a chess player, he has placed you and I, not as it pleaseth us. We come to church with the wrong motive. We come to be tickled. We come to be pleased. We come to be entertained. We come to be served. Wrong idea. Ah. We are here to serve him and we are put in place as he pleases. It's not up to us. And because we choose to follow him and because we choose to yield to him, when we do that, then he blesses us. He gives us what we desire, but not on the front end. We give him what he desires. And then, you see when it says here that God gives you the desires of your heart? That's because your desires lines up with his. <laughs> you, you can't desire somebody else's husband and God give you desire your heart. So it can't be just your desire. Lord, I desire to go rob Frost Bank. Because I, I desire more money, and this is my desire. So it cannot be it's your base desire and my base desire, because the Bible says that all in man, there's a lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And that runs our desires. But when we commit to God and submit to God, his desires become our desires, and his word does not return to him void. That's how you get blessed. So... I want to just challenge you and me today. You know, I, I'm like Jenny on the block. I used to have a little. Now I got a lot. Yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> used to have a pantry when I was growing up that my stepmom had put locks on there and locked the food out of, from, from us. Now I got a pantry that could feed all of y'all in here today. So I do have a lot. Well, I tell you something, I don't forget a lot wasn't always here, and a lot can be gone tomorrow. When Pastor Evan and I were riding high and he was buying me jewelry left, right, and center, we were just shopping all over, just shopping out our little hearts. We didn't have no kids, and he was making like $80,000 a year working for Airborne Express, and we were just, just, just bawling. And then he got in an accident, and we started bawling for real. <laughs> Little job got lost. I didn't have no education. I didn't have no, no degree. I had the Bible. Well, they wouldn't pay, nobody would pay me for the Bible. So I could save you at the gas station, but now you weren't going to give me a tip for it. <laughs> One soul in the kingdom, Jesus. Nothing in my pocket. So I had to pawn everything. I realized just in that minute. Here it is. We, he's like number three in the country as a sales rep. And in the next minute... An accident takes everything away. Everything. And I mean everything. Or a nice look 700 plus credit score. Just, I don't know. It's so hard to build that thing up. But my goodness, it can just decline like at supersonic speed. <laughs> that thing, boy. You have one of the medical bills on there and your thing drop like 100 points. 
It's evil. <laughs> had to give away our little jewelry. We had to move out of our little house. Had to go live with a family member for a minute and move back into an apartment. Do you know how embarrassing that is? I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to go back to struggle. So God, what do you need me to do? You need me to serve in the, in the children's ministry? Count me in. What, you need me to help do the bathrooms? Not a big deal. What do you need me to do? Where you want to set me? Because where you set me, you're setting me up. Amen. So I want to just invite you today to just really consider and think. You know, Hannah had submitted her son Samuel to the work of ministry. She dedicated him. And in doing so, he became one of the greatest prophets that ever walked the earth. Submit your gift. Submit your talent. Submit what your expertise is. Submit your ability. Okay, maybe, you're, maybe you are some NASA engineer. And we don't have a NASA engineer program here at Word of Truth Family Church. But what we do have is an open and shut door at the front greeting. And you can be happy with your NASA engineer smile and open the door. Welcome to another world. To infinity and beyond. Your stars are looking bright tonight. There is a place for you. Some of you may say, Pastor Sarah, I've reached out before and sometimes people don't reach back. Don't let them stop your blessing. Don't put your blessing in the hands of somebody else. They don't call you back, call them back. Keep calling them and say, look, you're holding up my blessing, man. You're holding up my blessing. Pastor Che, so-and-so from the nursery didn't call me back yet. Pastor Che, so-and-so from, from greeting didn't call me back yet. So-and-so from sunrise didn't call me back yet. So, tell it. Because you don't want to stop your blessing and get it, put it in the hands of somebody else. And that's period. And I'm telling you, I know what I'm saying. When I didn't have any money, I had service. I had the ability to serve. And I've always served. And somehow I just know, because when you watch the Bible and watch the pattern, those who lay their lives down and don't count it as anything, they gain everything because they choose to not lose the one thing that's most important, pleasing God. Amen? So if you're out there this morning and you know that that's kind of somehow been your mentality. Lord, I, I do all this at work and I just kind of want to just put my, kick my feet up at church. I want to invite you to do the one thing God is asking us to do today. Repent. Say, God, I missed it. I did think it was about me. But when I come to worship, it really is about you. So if you just want to recommit your life to the Lord today and say, you know what? Pastor Sarah, yeah, it's a new year and I need to do better. I need to do better. Then with every head bowed and every eye closed, just raise your hand and let me see you. I see your hand, I see your hand. I see your hand, I see your hand, I see your hand, I see your hand, I see your hand. I see your hand, I see your hand, I see your hand in the front, I see your hand, I see your hand in the middle, I see your hand in the back. Anyone else? 
You know you can do better. I see your hand. I see your hand. Some of you are not involved at all. There is something you can do. I see your hand in the back there. You may have 30 minutes. Give it to God. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to do that.